Chris Berg. If you looked in your bulletin, you will have noticed that the title of my message this morning is Understanding the Role of the Pastor. Now, how did I settle on that topic? Well, not too long ago, I taught a series in the adult Sunday school class on the spiritual gifts. And one of the spiritual gifts that was covered was the lesson on the gift of the pastor. The elders thought, since we have, since God has sent us a new pastor, that it would be beneficial for the whole church to have an understanding of what is the role of the pastor. This way, everybody in the church can know what we can expect of our pastor. So the elders asked me to take that Sunday school lesson and turn it into a sermon so that it will benefit not just those who attended the class, but benefit the whole church. And I am excited to do just, just that. So I want to begin today by giving you the definition of the spiritual gift of a pastor. It is this. The pastor has the motivation to watch out for the needs of those under his care. The word pastor, which is found in the verse we read this morning, Ephesians 4.11, comes from the Greek word to shepherd. And it says, that verse says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. This is the only dual spiritual gift that is in the New Testament. There are not two gifts here, but there is one gift. And then this one gift has two distinct dimensions. It is pastor teacher, not pastor and teacher. The gift of a pastor, a pastor refers to the ability to care for another. Like a shepherd, he cares for the sheep that God has entrusted to him. The second gift explains how the pastor is to care for his sheep. And that is, the pastor is to be a teaching pastor. I think many pastors miss the boat here. If, the, if a pastor is not a teaching pastor, he is not fulfilling the calling that God has given to him. Now, I don't care how talented the pastor is. I don't care how gifted the pastor is. I don't care how large the pastor's church is. If a pastor is not teaching the people from God's word, he is not fulfilling the calling or the ministry that God has given to him. But a pastor is also a shepherd. He is a shepherd of God's people. Both Paul and Peter use this word in reference to the elders uh, of the local church. For instance, Peter says, in 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5, he tells the elders to shepherd the flock of God among you. And then in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 30, Paul is giving instructions to the Ephesian elders, and he tells them to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So what does it mean to shepherd the, the, the church of God? I want to give you three things uh, that fall into the category of a pastor shepherding the people of God. This is not an exhaustive list, but these three things do pertain to a pastor who has the responsibility to shepherd the people of God. 
First, as a shepherd, he is to feed and nourish Christians uh, in the things of God. Second, as a pastor, he is to give spiritual leadership to God's people by leading them to God and away from the evil compromises of the world. Third, as a shepherd, he is to protect the saints by warning or guarding them away from false doctrine. Paul tells the Ephesian elders uh, in Acts chapter 20, he gives them instructions. And this is the instructions that Paul gave to the Ephesian elders. He tells them, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, will be, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. Now, as a teacher, the pastor is supposed to serve the people of God a well-balanced diet from God's word so they can grow to spiritual maturity. However, one may have the spiritual gift of teaching but not, the, but not be a pastor. These are two distinct gifts. A pastor teacher is to love the people that God has entrusted to him. When a pastor can't love the people that God has entrusted to him, he is like a shepherd who is allergic to sheep. Or he is like a woman who wants to have a family but can't stand children. So, so a pastor has to be able to shepherd his people and he has to be able to love them. Now I want us to discuss the misunderstanding people have of the role of the pastor. One mistake many people make is to consider the ministry of the pastor an office in the, the church. That's not right. The only offices in the church are the offices of the elders and deacons. Paul makes this statement in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. He says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in, in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers, that's, that's the elders, including the overseers and deacons. So I asked the question, why didn't Paul mention the pastor in this verse? It is because in the early church there was no such thing as the office of a pastor. The pastor was one of the elders. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, The elders who rule well ought to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. I take from that verse that the pastor was the elder who was working hard at preaching and teaching. That fits in with the one spiritual gift of the pastor-teacher that is mentioned in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. So a man may serve as an elder, but his spiritual gift is a pastor-teacher. 
Now, because I believed this concept was biblical, it influenced my thinking and everything I did as a pastor. Years ago, when I was a pastor, I went to a pastor's conference where the pastors took spiritual gift tests. What those tests revealed is that only a few of the pastors there had the spiritual gift of pastor-teacher or had the spiritual gift of a pastor. Many of the pastors there had other spiritual gifts. What happens when churches do not understand that, um, that, a pastor, that not all pastors have uh, the spiritual gift of pastors? Not all men function in serving as pastors in a church has spiritual gifts of a pastor. What happens is it is easy for churches to become discontent with their pastors. For example, Pastor A has the gift of evangelism. Many people come to Christ because of his one-on-one -on -one personal evangelism and because of his evangelistic sermons. But many of, in his church are still babes in Christ. They're starving to death spiritually because he is not spending time studying the depths of God's word so he can feed them a well-balanced diet from God's word. He has more of a natural desire to preach to those without Christ than to build up Christians. Some older members of the church are complaining that he has too much zeal for those without Christ and that he is neglecting them. Pastor B is a great administrator. In four years, he brought a chaotic church to run like a well-organized machine. He even has set some long and short-range goals for the church. Yet the church lacks the enthusiasm they had under their former pastor. And he is tired of hearing how warm and concerned the former pastor was for his people. Pastor C has the spiritual gift of exhortation. The church seems to be going great. There are activities all week long for people of all ages, but the church leaders are, complain are complaining that they have been exhorted to death. They are constantly being challenged to visit, witness, teach, but nobody knows, knows how. They have no training. They love their pastor, but they feel like there must be more to the Christian life than fighting battles. Pastor D has the gift of a teacher. He authored several books, but he is not a stimulating speaker. And because of it, his messages uh, are kind of dry. His membership has decreased, and the pastor begins to feel frustrated, and he feels depressed over the ministry he has. So where does the problem lie? The problem could lie with the church, or it could lie with the pastor, or it could be both of them. <laughs> Many congregations are, are the problem because they expect all pastors to be alike. They don't understand that the spiritual gifts, and they don't understand how the spiritual gifts naturally pull a man 
to spend more time in one phase of the ministry over another. They can't accept how their present pastor is different from the pastors they had in the past. They don't call a pastor because of his spiritual gifts. They call him because of the sermon he preached or his appearance. Many times the, the problem is the pastor. Pastors sometimes choose churches based on their location or their salary or their prestige or the size of the, of the church. They don't take time to find out what phases of the ministry are most important to that particular church. And if he has the spiritual gifts that will naturally move him in the direction that, that the church wants. The result of this is that sometimes men of God have the ministry of a pastor, but they don't have the gift of pastoring. The examples I gave you, Pastor A had the spiritual gift of evangelism. Pastor B had the spiritual gift of administration. Pastor C had the spiritual gift of exhortation. And Pastor D had the spiritual gift of teaching. Now I want to tell you folks something, and listen carefully. It is okay for a man to serve as a pastor teacher without having that spiritual gift. I want to say, say that again. It is okay for a man to serve as a pastor teacher without having that spiritual gift. I say that for two reasons. First, there are many men who are in the pastors who do not have the spiritual gift a pastor teacher, and their churches are doing just fine. If only men with the spiritual gift of pastor teacher could, could, uh, could pastor churches, there would be a whole lot of churches who did not have pastors. Second reason, just like it is okay for a man to serve as an elder in the church without having the spiritual gift of pastor, or the spiritual gift of, of a shepherd, it is okay for a man to serve as a pastor teacher without the spiritual gift of pastor teacher. Remember, folks, and you have heard me say this over and over again if you attended the spiritual gifts class that, that I taught. Remember, God expects all of us to function in all areas of the spiritual gifts, even uh, even though we do not have all of the spiritual gifts. For example, God expects us all to give, but we don't have, all have the gift of giving. God expects all of us to witness to the unsaved, even though we don't have the gift of, uh, of evangelism. God expects us all to, have the, all to exercise faith, even though we don't all have the gift of faith. God expects all of us to show mercy, even though we may not have the gift of mercy. God expects us to serve in the church, even though we don't have the gift of helps or, or the gift of service. God expects us to function in all areas of the spiritual gifts, even though we don't have those spiritual gifts. And it's the same for the pastor. The pastor needs to function in all areas of the spiritual gift, even though he may not have the gift of a pastor or the gift of a pastor teacher. That being so, 
God expects that man to function in all, in all areas of the church. That means the pastor has to shepherd and teach the people even if that is not his spiritual gifts and even if that does not come to him naturally. Folks, pastors wish they had all of the spiritual gifts, but they don't. Pastors wish they were equally motivated in all areas of the spiritual gifts, but they are not. Jesus Christ was the only man to have all of the spiritual gifts. Yet God expects our pastor to function in all areas of the spiritual gifts, just like he expects that from all of us. This is a great time for me to say this because I am no longer your, your um, pastor. Sometimes churches have unrealistic expectations for their pastors. Sometimes individual believers in the church expect the pastor to be strong in whatever spiritual gifts they happen to have. By the way, let me throw it in this, it's free. We receive our spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit at the time that we are saved. At the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ to take us to heaven. Scripture says we are born again. Scripture says the Holy Spirit comes to reside with, within us. At that time, the Holy Spirit gives of the believer the spiritual gift or spiritual gifts that God wants them, them, them to have. So all believers have spiritual gifts. But sometimes individual believers in the church expects the pastor to be strong in whatever spiritual gifts that they happen to have. For instance, if you have the gift of teaching, every time you come to church, you expect your pastor to give in-depth Bible studies. If you have the gift of service, you expect your pastor to, have, to give practical assistance to each member of the church. If you have the gift of administration, you expect your pastor to maintain a smooth running church. If you have the gift of evangelism, you expect your pastor to have special outreaches to, for, the, for the souls without Christ. If you have the gift of pastor, you expect your pastor to maintain a solid doctrinal foundation for his church. If you have the gift of exhortation, you expect your pastor to have uh, uh, his schedule filled with plenty of time set aside for personal counseling and encouragement. If you have the gift of mercy, you expect your pastor to have special outreaches that demonstrates concerns for people and meeting their needs. If you have the gift of mercy, um, or if you have the gift of faith, you expect your pastor to encourage the church to trust God for the impossible. Like I said, only Jesus Christ had all of the spiritual gifts. Now I want us to discuss the purpose of the church. What is the purpose of the, that God gave to the church? 
And that is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Those are the verses that we read this morning in, our, uh, in the opening of our service. And I'm going to read those again. You can follow from your um, bulletin. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Uh, and for, 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 and the word for indicates why God gave the spiritual gifts to the, to the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. According to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, that states the purpose of the church is for the saints, the saints of those people who have placed their faith in Christ to take them to heaven so that they might do the work of the ministry. I need to tell you that uh, our elders, the elders in, in this church, do recognize the purpose that God has given for this church. And they have been evaluating how our church can do a better job of equipping the saints and preparing the saints for the, for the role of the ministry here at, at this church. The Greek word that is translated equipped or equip in Ephesians 4.12 is used in the gospel to describe the mending of, of uh, torn nets. That word also means to complete what is lacking. So since Ephesians 4.12 says that believers in the church are to be equipped to do the work of the ministry, let me ask you this question. What is included in the saints doing the work of the ministry? What is included in the saints doing the work of the ministry? Well, it, this is not an exhaustive list, but it includes things like evangelizing the people that are not saved, teaching new believers sound doctrine so they can become strong in the faith, visiting the sick and the shut-ins, discipling believers to become more like Christ, caring for others, welcoming new people who come to the church so, the, so they know that they are Welcome here. Once a church understands that this biblical principle, they stop looking as to uh, looking at, uh, at the pastor as being the hard gun to doing the entire work of the ministry. That's not his job. His job is to feed us from God's word, help equip us along with the elders and the evangelists. Uh, so that we might do the work of the ministry. The pastor is not the hired gun, but rather we are to do that. The pastor, the elders, the evangelist, they work as a team uh, uh, to, to train us. And then we in turn work as a team to get God's work done. That is why the best functioning churches are the churches where the pastor is not a one-man show. The smart pastors surround themselves with other church leaders and with, and with church people who are naturally motivated to do the things that he is not naturally motivated to, to do. 
I want to close my message this morning by giving you an illustration and drawing a conclusion from the principles I have stated and to also talk a little bit about the pastor that God has given to, to us. Most of you know that I'm an LSU fan, uh, all of their sports, uh, but particularly football. And what you may not know that I follow football recruiting pretty closely. <laughs> uh, the football players coming out of high school are assigned a grade of one star to five star based on their athletic ability and the, and the success they had in high school with five-star athletes considered to be the, the best. What I have learned by reading the philosophy of coaches in recruiting these high school seniors is that yes, it is important that uh, uh, for, for uh, a player to have a number of stars behind his name, but the number of stars is not as important as that recruit's ability to fit the culture uh, that the head coach is trying to build within his team and, and, and trying to accomplish the goals. In other words, the, his ability to fit the culture of the team is more important than how athletic he is or how many stars he has behind his name. Now, why do coaches place so much value on this? It is because a recruit that fits the culture of the team will add to the cohesiveness of the locker room, and they'll help the coach and the team to reach their, their goals. Now, I need to tell you, I'll, I'll pass it for those new people who may be with us for the first time. Uh, we have a relatively new pastor. He's been here f since October. So we do have a relatively new pastor with us. I need to tell you that the elders carefully scrutinized every application uh, that came to us to, to fill our need as a pastor. Now, there were some men with a variety of spiritual gifts, talents, and educational experience, but there was no one who was a better fit for the culture of Mandeville Bible Church or for what we believe in our doctrinal statement or for the direction that we believe that God wants this church to, to go. And there was no one. We listened to sermons. They sent us sermons on YouTube. We listened to sermons, and there was no one who preached and handled the biblical test better than the pastor we have, Chris Berg. Chris went to a good independent Bible college, Calvary Bible College, outstanding school that prepares men to be pastors of churches like ours. Chris served as a senior pastor for four years in a Bible, in, in a Bible church like ours. Chris was on staff at a sound Bible church like ours for over 17 years. And the church he ministered to for over 17 years is only 50 miles from our church. What does that mean? It means that Chris has learned to, to successfully minister in the culture of South Louisiana. 
I need uh, and to put the cherry on top of the cake. Chris Berg spent 17 plus years serving in an area that we desperately need help, youth ministry. We have a pastor that not only can communicate to adults, but can also relate to and educate our youth and our children. In fact, Chris is going to be teaching the um, uh, junior high and senior high Sunday school class. If, you have, if, if parents here have children that fall into that age group, you're going to have somebody to teach your, your child that not only knows theology, but can communicate God's word to them. And he also loved, loves youth. His wife Mary is going to be working with the younger children. I'm telling you folks, all of that is where we needed our, our, our help mostly, and God has given that to us. You can see why Chris Berg is a good fit for Mandeville Bible Church and for our community. When the elders saw all of this come together in one man, they understood this as God sending Chris Berg to us to be our next pastor. The elders and the search committee understand this, and we hope that we all begin to understand how blessed we are that God has sent us Chris, Chris Berg. Do you see what is happening? Do you get the big picture of what is happening? Mandeville Bible Church is running the race that God has set before us. In this race, God sees fit to select the, the man who will carry the torch for the next phase of this race. For 40 years, God had Reverend Burke carry the torch and lead this, this church. Reverend Burke passed the, the torch on to Tim Carroll. Tim Carroll passed the torch on to me. And after 19 years, I passed the torch on to Eric McNeil. And after, and after seven years, Eric McNeil passes, passed the torch on to Chris Berg. And Chris Berg is now God's appointed man to lead this church through the next phase of this race. It is all part of God's plan. And you need, we need to see this so we can get the big picture of what God is doing here. By the way, it is not just Chris Berg that's a good fit for our church. His whole family is a good fit for our, for our church. His wife Mary is a quiet, gentle, but strong woman. Get to know her, she is a sweetheart, and she has a servant spirit. His four teenage sons and daughters are solid in the faith, and they demonstrate that they have been raised well. Oh, they're, they're not perfect, but neither are my children and neither are yours. <laughs> but they're solid, they're solid kids. Uh, yes. We are saddened that Eric came down with Parkinson's disease. Nobody wanted that. That was a terrible thing. And we wish Eric the best in his new ministry. But at the same time, we are excited to have Chris Berg 
the man that God has now sent us to be our pastor. Let's, let's pray. Father, as we close this message, we do thank you in your, in your sovereignty. We're thankful that you are in control. Father, help us to get the big picture of this race that we as a church are running. Help us to see our part, that we are to be doing the work of the ministry. Help the pastor and the elders as they work to, uh, to, to develop a better equipping ministry here for, for our people so that they, they can be trained to do the work of the ministry. Father, we pray for our pastor. We're thankful that you have sent him to us. We do pray for Eric. We do pray that you bless him as he moves on to the new ministry that you have now given to him. But Father, Chris Berg is now the man here. He is now our pastor. Help us to better understand the role of the pastor, what we can expect of him, but let our expectations be reasonable so that uh, we don't do him an injustice. Thank, thank you, God, for, the, for this. And we pray, God, that you will uh, continue to bless this church. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.